I grew up not knowing anything about God. Um, the only times I visited church were to go to christenings and I also went to guides. I grew up at a time where we sang hymns in assembly, uh, but I never really connected to any of it. Um, I had a happy childhood um, and, um, and grew up happy, but just not knowing anything about God. Um, I grew up at times as an atheist and a spiritualist. There were times as a teenager where I remember staying awake all night and scaring myself silly thinking about the nothingness um, and thinking about death. Um, I grew up and then um, got married and had two children, um, but it always felt like there was something missing. Um, after a trip to uh, Zimbabwe to visit family, um, I realised that um, there was still, you know, that feeling of missing something had got even bigger. Um, and I saw an advert for family church, and so I decided to go along. Um, that first week, I remember the service vividly. I remember Pastor Andy talking about how God had been taken out of everything, out of education and out of guides and all of those types of things. And as someone who's always worked passionately in education, um, that felt really important to me and felt like it was, it was a bad thing that God had been taken out of everything. Um, he also talked about Seth um, and ab about Seth's lineage in the Bible and Seth's my son's name. And so I felt like that message was just for me that week. Um, it, God knows just what you need to hear when you need to hear it. So I came away from church that first week thinking, you know, there, there's something here. I really enjoyed the service um, and I really enjoyed the community feel. So I decided to keep going back to church. Um, but it was probably another six weeks before I believed um, in God. Um, I started doing discovery. I was keen to learn as much as I could about God. Um, and I remember this other week um, then saying to Diana Payne just before the service, I really like the idea of God, but I just don't understand how you can just believe. Like, how do you just know that he's there? Um, and I found out afterwards that she'd prayed for me during the service. And I was just overcome with emotion the whole service. I've got no idea what the message was about that week. I just felt completely overwhelmed. And, um, at, and at, by the end, I just knew that God was real. Um, I knew that God existed. I knew he was there. And I was completely filled with the peace that only God can provide. Um, and from then, God has provided, God has protected, and God has healed. There are two um, examples that I can talk about where God's really had an impact in my life. Um, two years ago, I had um, appendicitis and uh, I've never really been in hospital other than to have my children. Um, and so I could have been completely overwhelmed by that situation, but I felt completely at peace. I, did, I wasn't worried or stressed at all in the whole situation, having the operation. Um, and even then I was kind of kept in an extra few days because the infection levels wouldn't go down. But I knew that God was in that situation completely because um, there was a, a lady opposite me and I'd given her um, some verses and, and told her that I was praying for her. And it turned out, we found out afterwards, that she is the cousin of um, one of our pastors. And, um, and so that's a situation where God had kind of 
put me in that situation and knew that, you know, people were praying for this person and, and it's about those seeds that are being put into those, um, into people's lives um, and it's about listening to God telling you to, to work in and say things in different situations. Um, the other situation where God's really come through is um, uh, a couple of years ago, I took my mum to the ladies' getaway. Um, as I said, none of my family really know God. Um, and so I'd been praying for my family and um, I thought taking my mum along um, and where she would be surrounded by godly women and listening to, to the words from our pastors she would um, you know, have her ears opened and start to hear from God. Um, the way God moved in that situation, the way everything happened could only have been orchestrated by God. Uh, the situation was absolutely perfect and my mum ended up giving her life to Jesus. Um, and now we can pray for the rest of our family and pray that these seeds keep getting sown into to our family's lives. Hello, my name is Steve Smith and this is my testimony as to how I came to accept Lord Jesus Christ as my saviour. So I'm going to start off with a, a question for you actually, and that is, what is the most difficult decision you think you'll ever have to make in your life? And I'll park that idea and come back to it. So my background was not one of um, Christianity at all. My parents um, never went to church. The only time I ever went to church when I was young um, was when I was in the Cubs. I always found church imposing, cold and scary. And that's how I believe God was, cold, imposing and scary. Um, and I, for years I just kept him out of sight, out of mind, because that's where I wanted it. So my life as I grew up was okay. I was happy enough, um, like everybody else had ups and downs. But when I reached my 40s, I, something was missing in my life. Um, I think when you get to that age, you start thinking more about your mortality. I even started to question whether God actually existed or not. And I came to the conclusion, that no, he did not exist. And if he did, he would have to do something very spectacular to get me on side. So a few months after I made that decision, my mother went into the hospital for an operation on her, her hip. The operation went horribly wrong and she bled profusely and had a massive stroke which resulted in her being on a life support machine. Um, she was brain dead, basically. The consultants and doctors said there was no hope for her at all, really. Um, if she did come round, she'd only ever be a vegetable. Now, I always thought the most difficult decision I could ever make in my life would have to be to, t to make a decision to turn off a life support machine for somebody, because I didn't want to play God over someone's life. But in fact, when all the facts were put before me, it seemed quite an easy decision. And the, the, so the decision was made to switch off life support and the consultant said, our only hope is a miracle. So basically she was going to take between a few hours to a few days to die, just put in her own room. And I shared with my brother the time um, to stay with her. So there'd always be someone with her at the very end. And in that time I was praying and pleading to the God I didn't believe in because I had nowhere else to go. I'm sure many people have been in that place before. Now around that time, somebody unknown to me um, put six healing scriptures on a piece of paper in my door, which I just totally ignored for several days. 
But four days after Life Support Machine had been switched off, I took the, um, I found it by chance actually, these scriptures again, I took them into the hospital because it's extremely boring just sitting around waiting. You just couldn't take enough into you, uh, into the hospital to read. So at some point in the morning, I inadvertently came across them. I was looking for something else and I just read through these scriptures and all of a sudden something changed inside me. Suddenly I felt there was a bit of hope, but there had been no hope whatsoever. So during the day I thought about these scriptures more and more and by the evening I thought, you know what, I'm going to lay hands on my mum. So I prayed these scriptures over her out loud, put my hands on her head and I just pictured in my head all the bad coming good and all the bad coming out of her head. And nothing happened except I get an absolutely stonking headache. Life support machine had been switched off. I started to have a rising conviction within me that we'd made a mistake that actually she, she was going to be okay because she'd only been having um, just someone just touching, dabbing water on her lips. That's the only sustenance she'd had at all for six days. And I prayed to God for a sign, not just a little sign, like a little twitch or something, but something that would enable me to go to the consultant and say, look, we've made a mistake. We need to put that machine back on. So on the seventh day, I woke up in the morning and I it was euphoric. There's no other word for it. I cannot explain it. Um, I just felt really alive, my headache had gone, and I thought something's going to happen today. It's probably the day she's going to die, but at least she's going to be released from, from that sort of thing. And as I went into the hospital that morning, as I walked in, her head was turned to one side as I walked through the door, and it, all before it had always just been looking upwards with her eyes closed. And her eyes were open. As I walked around the room, she moved her head and her eyes followed me. And I spoke to her and I said, hello, have you woken up then? And she said, yes. And she, I don't she was obviously very sure where she'd been sort of thing. But basically, the gist of it is, God had performed that miracle. And although it took a few months of rehabilitation um, and recovery, um, she recovered fine. And even now, 14 years later, she's still alive and well at the age of 82. So months later, I felt I owed God something. I now obviously believed in God, but I didn't want to become a Christian. But I thought to myself, one of my friends said to me, why don't you come on an Alpha course with me? And I thought, I'll do that. And I thought, if God answers all my questions, they answer all my questions, I will become a Christian. But of course, they couldn't answer all my questions because some of them were impossible to answer. Um, and what I realized was that I had to take a leap of faith, really. There was something different about these people. They had an assurance which I'd never seen before in people. They had a hope and there was something different about them. And I thought, I want what they want. So I decided, yes, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go out to the forest, which I love early one morning. And when there's a, the lovely dawn comes up, I'm gonna give my life to God. And I'd set this day uh, in a few days at the weekend ahead of me. And as I went out to do it, um, I was, you know, the, the lovely sunny dawn I was expecting didn't happen. It was a horrendously wet day, windy, and uh, I spent absolutely ages walking up and down thinking, oh, I can't do it, not in this weather. It's not the right weather for doing it. My, my romantic dream of the nice sunny dawn has gone. So I think what I noticed before really was going on, there was a massive battle going on for my soul between my heart and my head. My heart was saying, yes, become a Christian, but my head was scared. I didn't want to give up something that I might never get back. I didn't occur to me I might be gaining something far greater. So what is the hardest decision you've ever made? 
well, actually, this was the hardest decision. I was really battling here. Should I become a Christian or not? But I realized if I didn't do it that precise morning, I would never, ever do it. So I made a deal with God. I, I said to him, look, I don't know who you are. But if you reveal who you are, I will come to you and I'll have an open mind. Just show me who you are. And then I made a salvation prayer. And you know what? In that prayer, I just absolutely broke down. It wasn't just the rain running down my face. It was great snotty tears. I realized God had been there all my life, but I'd ignored him. It's almost like all my sin just came upon me and I just realized really how unworthy I was of God and, and how great and faithful he had been to me all that time. So I became a Christian and then I started to apply God's word. I kept my part of the bargain, but he kept his part of the bargain. I found my life changing for the better. It was filled with peace, patience, um, a joy in realizing you can serve God and have this incredible relation with him. Imagine having a relationship with someone who's not cold, distant and scary, but is warm, loving, and he wants an intimate relationship. You know, the, the creator of the world wants to know me. He knows me so well, but he wants me to know him equally as well. Fantastic. You know, that hole that was missing in my life in my 40s has been filled. My life has purpose, it has direction, it has hope, and I'm really excited about what God's going to do in the future. So it turns out the hardest decision of my life was actually the best decision of my life. Amen to that. Hey, welcome back. Weren't they great real life stories from uh, Kelly and from Steve about how their lives were changed the moment they encountered Jesus and uh, what we're looking at today isn't a person encountering religion you know religion is responsible for a lot of uh, problems and and ills in life but Jesus isn't you see and we need to always be concentrating on the difference between a religion about God and a relationship with God and we want to welcome you again wherever you're watching from today maybe you've jumped in to join us for the first time and uh, this is your first experience of family church we just want to say a warm welcome please make sure you come back and see us again but today we're taking time for this thing called my story and we want to underline and really bring to the forefront the reality that every person has a story of how they encountered Jesus what their life was like before how they encountered Jesus changed since that moment that they've encountered him. And I want you to sit back and get comfortable and listen to a very, very, um, really good real life story today from somebody that's actually um, a part of my, my family, my wider family. She's actually my cousin. And so I'm going to introduce you to Elise. And Elise is a part of our Portsmouth congregation. Like I said, she's one of my cousins. And uh, it's just a joy to have seen what the Lord has been doing in her life. And I want her to share her story with you today. So welcome, Elise. So good Hi. to have you with us. So apart from being my cousin, <laughs> tell us a little bit about who Elise is. Um, I'm married um, to Jamie. I've got two children, Grace and Harvey. Um, I'm a hairdresser. Um, lived in Portsmouth for quite a few years now. Um, yeah. Now, hairdresser, things have been quiet the last few weeks for yeah. you, but you're ready for them to get busy again, yeah, right? Yeah, very. It's going to be very busy. Manic. Good to see people again. Yeah. Did you see the state of Pastor Stuart's hair today? 
I mean, slightly wide. Yeah, he's ready for a trim. He really is. He is slightly wide. That's a good yeah, hairdressing out. way of putting it. That's great. What's it been like not being able to be doing hairdressing, which is so much of a part of your normal week, your normal life for for what's been since pretty much since New Year, right? Yes, what's it yeah. been like? Um, well, also the back of last year. So it's been a year altogether. Um, hard, but a really good thing for me because it's it's come back to trust trust financially um mm. in god because that's a huge thing obviously not working yeah. um also not being able to see people um i've missed that um yeah and it, it's there's part of my family as well the people that i've done i've done for a long time yeah. um and sometimes those people are i'm the only person that they see so I'm you aware step of into that. their world and yeah. and yeah. Yeah, I'm fortunate that I get to go yeah. into people's homes. They're very open. Um, and so it's been very much checking in by phone, yeah. making sure everyone's all right. So it's, little, it's like a little bit of pastoral work, really. Yeah. <laughs> but you're checking up on them, you're making sure they're okay because yeah. people, you know, emotionally have struggled Definitely. during this time. Definitely. And you've been a voice just going, there's someone here, how you doing? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So. You're aware of that, definitely aware of that. Yeah. Because everything's been taken away, like you say, been shaken by that. Everything yeah. that everybody knows. And I think people with their lives being shut away like that, um, feelings tend to bubble from the surface. When you're busy, you shut them down, yeah. shut them down. This gives you time to think, eh? Absolutely. So your scissors are sharpened yeah. and you're good to go <laughs> real ready. soon, right? Yeah. Yeah, all, all the clippers that are all packed, cleaned, <laughs> ready to go. That's amazing. Now, you've lived in and around Portsmouth and haven't, haven't you, yes. most of your life? Yes. Um, where were you raised? Um, Wesley okay. in Haven. Um, my children like to say Westside. <laughs> and I, they say, oh, it's Lee Park. I said, no, okay. it's Wesley. There's a difference yeah. between the Peatsfield Road running in the middle. And but, our people um... from our Haven congregation <laughs> are, are nodding. And, and yeah. it's like the House of Commons in their yeah, house. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so most, uh, what age did you leave Haven? Um, probably in my late teens, 20, I moved to Portsmouth. Okay. So Portsmouth, probably I've lived Portsmouth more than I have there now. Yeah. So Portsmouth's like my home. I'd call it my home. Now, Lisa, all of our families kind of uh, encountered God around the same time, didn't they? You know, I was yeah. around nine years old and my mum and dad came to church and yeah. there was that incredible encounter with my mum and dad where God just restored their marriage and then yes. my mum was such an evangelist, wasn't she? She's she went amazing. out and I know she led your mum to the Lord yes. and uh, and then my, uh, Uncle Barry and Pam. And there was a real household salvation, yeah. wasn't there, that took Absolutely. place. But when mum and dad encountered Jesus, they didn't keep it quiet. No. In fact, you couldn't... You couldn't keep them quiet, could no, you? They were no. telling everyone. And you started a relationship with the Lord um, as a child. Yes. What, what was your relationship with God in the midst of growing up in Haven and in Portsmouth? Um, what was your relationship? How would you say your relationship was, was with God at that time? Um, I think in the early days, we used, to, we used to do things like there was new wine, there was Bible week. So mum used to take me in my brother Damon on those and I think my initial you could never tell me that God wasn't real yeah. in those services and what I saw but I always had an image of fear that a strike almost like a striking down a religious type of uh, image of God yeah. um, growing up 
So you can never tell me he wasn't real. I knew he was real. Um, and um, I became, I gave my life to him, I think when I was about 13, in a Bible Week situation. Um, but in a more fearful way. So it was... It was a fear that made you want to run from him rather than run to him. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it was a it was a dip in sort of in and out. I wanted I wanted to do it because I knew he was real, but actually I was almost backing away. So, obviously now love has taken the place of fear. Yeah. Um, but in those days, it was almost a fear of what would happen um, yeah. if you didn't do this when you died. Yes. And yeah. fear's a very real driver, yeah, hey? Yeah, yeah. Not as strong as love. Yeah. And I love it when the Bible says perfect love casts Possibly. out all fear. But fear kept you walking in tracks with God yes. through those years. Yeah. What was it like, Elise? Obviously, now you've got this relationship with God. It's fear-driven, though you knew God loved you, but it was fear-driven. Mm. But then suddenly you've got the pressures of the world, of the world going, this is normal. When you've got your church world, mm -hmm. um, you've got church conferences and Bible weeks, mm -hmm. and then you've got a real world going, how, how did you navigate that in your teen years and going through into being a young lady? Um, I think it was confidence as well. I'd lacked confidence growing up. So I didn't really know what my personality, I would go along with what was um, popular, um, what was good and dip in and out really. Always knowing that I believed, but I was looking for something. Um, I never had a father figure, if you like, to show... I n and I never looked at him as a father figure. Um, and your mum really was driving yeah. the, what God meant in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To that but degree. But also, um, she was also in a fear thing, yeah. too. Because... Wow. Um, so it was, it was learnt behaviour. I think that's really powerful. If somebody was watching today and they were saying... At least that describes how I see God. The things I do for him are based in fear. What would you say to him? I think experiences have shown me that it's, it's learning to trust somebody. Uh, on a human, you know, you've got your people around you. They let you down. You disappoint them. So therefore you base your God on that. Unfortunately. Yeah. So you bring God down to be Absolutely. like them. That's, that's powerful. Yeah. Because I think that's a crime we can all commit. We, instead of us saying, God, let my life become like you are, we almost try and bring him down. Yeah. To be, yeah. But when we do that, we have expectations that yeah. just like people failed us, yes. he's going to do the same. Yes. Wow. So you grew up, and again, we did life together as families, um, you know, growing up, not just in church, but in family stuff. Yeah. Um, you, you suddenly had a moment in your life more recently, years go by, I say more recently in yeah. the context of years, yeah, where suddenly everything changed mm. with your relationship with God. You had one, but like you said, it was based a lot on fear. Yeah. But all of a sudden, I can remember when you walked in to family church in Portsmouth mm. and everything was different. Mm. It was like she's in this with both feet. Mm. What happened to take you from that way of knowing God into how you would know him now? Um, what led up to that moment, Elise? I, th I think my relationship with God changed. I know he's almighty and he's create and all that, but for me, I needed to know him as a loving father mm. and realising what I was in him, a child of God. And that's pretty amazing. 
And I think and that gives you confidence. Um, I think I needed to make a stand for my family, for my children, um, being aware of the world around me. Um, so therefore, when you trust God, you therefore start building relationship. Yeah. And at home, I think I was praying more, looking into the word more, and I needed to find a base and I needed to have that relationship with other people because I was aware when I was doing my hairdressing, I could not talk about it. So I needed backup. I needed books. I needed... Because if I was going to give people answers, they were going to ask me stuff. I needed to. Because one thing, we'll get onto this in a little bit, but you don't stay quiet in in <laughs> in your mobile hairdressing. No. I mean, you're one of, I think, family churches... Um, biggest evangelists in in that you just don't stay quiet when when they tell you about need or confusion you bring relationship with God into that and we'll get onto that in a moment you jumped in with both feet and there was a hunger yeah um what really sticks out to me Elise is something changed where fear was no longer the driver yeah suddenly there was uh not just a love relationship but the love of a heavenly father mm-hmm. in that. Um, again, the love of a heavenly father to some people would be like a no-brainer. But to other people, it's not a no-brainer, is no, it? No, no, no. When we're suddenly up there saying, oh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, sometimes people I know that I've met have said, well, I've got no problem with God the Holy Spirit, I've got no problem with Jesus. He, he's, he's, you know, mm. he's Jesus. It's just when you say father, and it's amazing for me, you know my dad, right? And uh, he's going to be watching this and he'll be on the phone to you soon after watching <laughs> this. But to me, my dad was a good dad. He, he, was. he, he, he is a good dad. Yeah. Um, but to some people, when you mention that word, that word, yeah. father, yeah. it doesn't have good things no. inside. No. Um, Christians, when you start a walk with God, have to deal with certain things, don't we? It's like we don't want to, no. but then suddenly it's like God turns around and says, well, let's let's deal with this in your life because that's not freedom or no. that's not giving you peace. No. What's something that God had to deal with in your life that was maybe connected with that father-God relationship? Um, probably the relationship with my own dad. Um, unfortunately for him, he had a lot of stuff to deal with in his childhood and he never ever dealt with that but his relationship with me um was that's all I had to go on so but then I remember being in a meeting and I never realized that I hadn't actually forgiven him Mm. although I realized it wasn't his fault and the way that he he tried to have a relationship with me but he couldn't he always stopped himself didn't know how um so they went more in himself and himself and then I was like but this is making me feel worse because I was trying even harder and not getting anything back and it's and so it actually made me feel worse and then I think I was in a meeting um that you were speaking and you said about forgiveness and it by forgiving somebody you actually set them free as well as yourself Mm. and get blessing back and I wanted to be blessed and I didn't realise, although I knew it wasn't his fault and I was okay with that, I needed to forgive him too. And that had also, but once I did that, then it 
set up a whole new thing for me. It, I love what you say, that forgiveness sets them free. Yeah. But again, when we look at things, people can only, you know, there's the old expression, monkey see, monkey do. Mm. But often what people do to us is a result of what was done to them or, yeah. or what they didn't experience, you know. That's why I love church community, because you get to see people doing life in different ways mm-hmm. and you're like yeah I want to start doing that yeah, yeah, in yeah. my family I've looked at different um, you know dad's been a great dad but I've looked at other people doing parenting and stuff yeah I want to do that I want, I want to steal that and that's the power of the community now when you're sitting there and you're in a moment where you try and hide unforgiveness it's unforgiveness can be a number of things it can be offense it can, but unforgiveness you try and hide it you cover it grow some bushes over it yeah and you pretend it's not there yeah but God don't let you. He, he just yeah. keeps pushing it, doesn't he? Yeah. Because he wants us completely free. And it's like I've been doing some gardening the last um, couple of weeks. And it's like when you get like some stubborn roots and some stubborn thorn or thorns, it's like they you can cut them down and pretend they're not there. But that root keeps growing. Mm-hmm. You've got to get the root out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the incredible thing about God, not just with forgiveness and unforgiveness, but with other things. He doesn't just trim the fruit, does he? He gets the root out, but not because he doesn't love us, but because he does. Yeah, yeah. And he brings us to a point where we give in. Yeah. Uh, and we go, God, I don't want to live with this anymore. Yeah. The thing about God that I love is he helps you to see things as they really are. Yeah. Because we're brilliant, aren't we, of going, no, no, this is how it looks, this is how it looks. And God says, no, this is how it looks. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, we have a choice. I, get, I give this to you. Mm-hmm. So you're in a moment of life, Elise, where you're conscious of an unforgiveness and now it's affected your life and you don't want it to affect you anymore. How did you give that unforgiveness to God? I think it was admitting that even though I understood what would he'd done and it was okay because this had happened to him, I think it was important about letting go because I didn't want anything to get in the way. But also, if I'm talking to people of a similar... Um, experience unforgiveness with could be brothers sisters whatever stopping it's stopping you from getting blessed yeah so you need needed to get it out the way like you say don't want to get anything in the way it's like thorns in the garden eh? yeah it 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 seems insignificant yet it takes over everything i was cutting down some bushes just yesterday funny enough and i found a, a patch of thorns and it had entwined itself mm. with every other bush in the garden. I thought, let's have a quick trim, thinking 30 minutes. Not a hairdresser, I'm talking <laughs> bushes here. And I started to trim it, and then I suddenly, this thorn had gone that way and that way. And every bush areas, other was, was affected. I think that's unforgiveness, right? Yeah. The moment, that's why he wants the root out, because it's amazing. Once he pulls that root out, you suddenly see how you can be free in this area, how you can have peace in this area. Yeah, definitely. And he never does it to harm us. What's your view when I say Father God to you now? What, what, what comes to your heart? I love that now. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that I know he cares for me, what's the best for me. And sometimes when you're praying and it doesn't go the way that you think, it's always looking the bigger picture, yeah. the bigger picture. And although... For me personally, it doesn't work for everybody. Bringing him down to a father level like that for me really works. Um, And that's not taking away how amazing he is. Um, 
but for me that works makes it because it's the only way yeah it's the only way that i can the trust and the fear yeah. and everything and the peace that you get yeah. is is there and again jesus was brilliant at um helping us to see his father as our father yeah. i love it in yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what they would call the lord's prayer um it, he says when you pray pray our father yes who are in heaven and i love that he could have said pray father of jesus but he doesn't he says no no He's our father. And yeah. the Bible also reveals that he's made us sons and children of God, that we're heirs and we're joint heirs now. And I love it that Jesus brings us into this relationship and says he's your father mm. too. And it's beginning to, especially if you've not had an experience of relating to a father in that way, it's beginning to go. You know, I remember speaking to someone a while ago, at least, and they said, I have no concept of what a good father is. And I mm. said, well, you must have to even be able to say that. Because there's got to be something that says what a bad father is for you to be able to judge that and say, well, a good father must be like this. So everybody has an ingrained, I think, mm. thought, desire yeah. of the best of what God can be. And then when you meet him, he excels that. Yeah. And he's so much more. Yeah. Elise, you are such an evangelist. And uh, if you're watching and you don't know what evangelist means, it, it means somebody that shares their relationship with God shares their faith with other people. You would never go out and call yourself evangelist, mobile hairdresser, Elise. <laughs> but you really are. The amount of people that you share Jesus with, it's so inspiring. Mm. That's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you today. One, because I wanted you to be able to let people know that unforgiveness can have affected certain parts of your life but it, you can be free mm -hmm. you can be free from it you can find God in a way that's not fear but love but also it's like in some ways I wish I could get you to kind of pray for everyone in family church to to be so hungry to see others find Jesus like you are mm. now that fear is removed mm. what drives that at least if somebody's watching going ah you know what, I should share Jesus more with people in my world, but I just, I'm nervous. What, what fuels you that any opportunity, literally any you get, you're talking about Jesus? I think the opener is to literally ask how people are doing and you'd be absolutely amazed how much people do open up because you don't actually say, how are you? How are you doing? What's going on in your world? And I always pray before I go to a house. Mm. And generally, sometimes they just cry. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know where that came from, you know. Because you've built a relationship with these people. Like you said, some of them yeah, have been cutting their years. Thing. I don't, your expectations, you think you speak to someone about God and automatically it's all going to happen. It's the same as your relationship. It's a trust thing. You build a relationship. Therefore, it's a trust. You may talk about it one time, you go and see them another time, they don't even talk about it. But don't be disheartened by that because it's a journey. It may not be your seed that's planted. Somebody else may pick it up later and that's when they really get a conviction. Yeah. So it doesn't matter who does it, but you started it off, yeah. you started the conversation and it is a trust thing. You, ca you can't expect people not to trust you over and some people um like all like flash of lightning they like it like that yeah. but sometimes it takes people longer to trust you 
and see the difference in you before they make that commitment. Yeah. And you don't know yeah. what they're because doing. Because of that trust that they have with you, when you start saying Jesus is real, he changes your life. Mm. It's going to have a credibility to it. Yeah. It's going to have a depth to it. Yeah. But maybe if they met someone on the street and someone came up and went, you yeah, know, not wrong with that, but hey, Jesus loves you. They're going to like, who are you? I don't know you. But when your hairdresser yeah. um, is saying to you, listen, he changes your life. Mm. Now, you, you are one of our best evangelists. And again, we've been, I've written a book recently called Soul Winner. Mm-hmm. And the whole thought of Soul Winner has been about getting evangelism or telling others about Jesus off of the stage mm. and into the lifestyle of our everyday lives. And you model that so mm. well, Elise. You really do. When you leave your house in the morning, mm. you're there to go cut hair, but you're looking for every opportunity. Mm. And, you know, uh, one of the books, why do, why do you share the book that we use by by Pastor Colin, because you go through yeah. these, like, we're just like, give Elise another 30 books, give Elise another 30 books. <laughs> but um, you're, you're handing them personally. What do you like about that method? It's because I find they throw a lot of questions. Hmm. If questions start getting answered, and it's also, I feel like, I always say to people when I've spoken about, do you realise we've had a really good conversation here? You may find when I go, you may, something bad might happen, a bit yeah. of attack but it's because something good we've talked about be aware of that I think it's really important to tell people that you've had that good interaction and talked about the Lord but the enemy does come in and he tries to rob or destroy anything you've just talked about so then go back into fear yeah um but I also felt talking to people that I need to leave them some information after and that's very good where this book came yeah. in um, which is a really simple, um, natural way. It's not throwing scriptures at yeah. people. It's a normal book. That and you and can... it's simple. It's simple. And again, you can get that book, you know, contact us at Family Church or Kingdom Faith because it's written by Pastor Colin Urquhart and it's just written so well, isn't yeah. it? I love that. So you're not just crop dusting and going, let's pray, let's pray, but you're saying, okay, now let's help you to understand mm. what's happened. Mm. So you're now a soul winner, Elise, a hairdresser, soul winner, but also you're beginning to disciple people. Mm. And again, disciple, the word disciple just means learner. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Mm. Jesus said you can listen or you can become a learner. Mm. And you're encouraging people to be learners in that. Mm. If family church folk are watching this today and they're like well I haven't actually begun to introduce people in my world my Mm -hmm. day-to-day world Mm -hmm. to Jesus to what I believe to the part that God plays in my life Mm -hmm. what would you say to encourage people to be sharing Jesus and sharing their faith Mm -hmm. in their everyday worlds more what would be your encouragement I think it's just once you start doing it it becomes normal and that's the thing I like that it becomes normal, so you can't not talk about it. Um, and you'll be led, you'll be spirit-led um, to talk about it. The book is a brilliant backup. If you've, And it's also, it's questions. Sometimes people ask you questions and you're like, but the Lord, Holy Spirit comes and gives you, you know, where am I going to go? Why does God let things happen? That's yeah. the most common. Why That's the big question, eh? Yeah, that is the most... What do you say when somebody says to you, why does God let stuff happen? Well, I don't think they realise that God will never take your free will away and Mm. your choice. Um, So man chooses and it has repercussions. And they're like, wow, never even thought about it like that. 
But it's true. He'll never take away your free will. Never I love force that. anything. Now, I've, I've not preempted any. I'm just hitting you with questions as they're coming to me. I'm not like, here's the questions. That is a great answer. Mm. Free will is a powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He'll, ne- he'll never, you know, force that. Yeah. And I think, and, and another one is, why doesn't he just appear in the sky? Then everyone would, you know, believe. And you think now it's very apparent the pandemic is real, but there's still people saying, yeah, but is it? So that's just another reason why if he did appear in the sky and everyone go, oh, yeah, he's real, there would still be people saying, yeah, but, yeah, but. In the Bible, you see, it always amazes me when I'm reading the Bible and, 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 and you like, he's doing these miracles all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then the next, next page, you're going, do another miracle. And you're like, if we saw like one of them, we'd be like, I'm done, (laughs) you know. But he said, more blessed are those who haven't seen yet believe. But you read through the pages of the Gospels, you're like, miracle, 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 miracle. And you're like, still left with these people going, I wonder if he's the son of God. And I'm like, if you did like one, if if, if one person got up from a sick bed, it would have like huge implications, wouldn't it? But the key is... It's God doesn't want you believing in yes, that because faith. of that. Mm. He wants you to believe in what he said of himself. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Hey, yeah. thanks for your honesty. Have you enjoyed being on, on this morning and sharing? And Is it something unusual, something new? Well, I was fearful about it, but again, I'm not, I'm not going down that line. Well, you don't look like... fearful. You look very natural. <laughs> you really do. Yeah. And any parallels between... I, I remember we had a, a boxer in before Paul Dyer was in. I was like, parallels between boxing and... Um, I mean, sorry I didn't prepare you with this question, but parallels between boxing and, and he, he talked about training and discipline. Do you ever cut hair and go, you know what, this is similar to being a Christian. Are there any parallels you want to chuck in as we end? <sighs> Gosh. Parallels. Oh, I can't think of any. That is oh, that's a question right. I haven't that's thought right. about. No, that, hey, I, I but, sprung that one on you. Um, all I can say, I'm very fortunate to be able to be going into people's yeah. homes and talking. I know it's harder to talk to friends and family uh, that don't believe because that's like, oh, you're that God person, yeah. you know. But be brave and God will bless you for it. Keep your hair trimmed regularly <laughs> would be a good one. That would be a good one, you know. It's like, you know, people let their hair go crazy and you're like, if you kept on that daily... <laughs> It wouldn't be looking like that, right? Yeah, true. And so there you go. There's true. our parallel for today. Yeah. Our real life parallel for today is <laughs> don't let your hair, you walk with God, go crazy. No. Be trimming that, all be right? Trimming. Be trimming that. Constantly. Make it a day. We've got a message coming, Elise. The Make it a haircuts. daily, a daily routine. And yeah. even for some people, like they don't do Christianity till Sunday morning for two hours. Yeah. That's rubbish. That's like walking around with a bad haircut, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what we've got to do is realise he's a heavenly father. He's, he's there every day to be, oh, here we go, trimming, trimming <laughs> away things um, so that we can be all that he called us to be. Yeah. There's our parallel. I yeah. just, you know, I thought we had one from boxing. We needed one from hairdressing. <laughs> all right. Somebody's watching the day. And they say, I've never thought about being a Christian, at least what you've said about being scared of God, that's me. Um, I've never had Christianity as a part of my life. I've never thought about having a relationship with God. Ever so quickly, why should somebody dare to open their hearts and let Jesus um, save them, be their Lord? Why should they start a relationship with God today? I think there's many things out there that you try, um, addictions and things like that. Um, I think don't miss out. Mm. Don't miss out. Try. 
and build a relationship and trust because your life is so much easier. You give your cast your cares on him. Mm -hmm. um, the peace that you get undoubtedly is the best thing than trying to do it yourself in your own strength, stressing. Um, the peace you get definitely outweighs everything. Yeah. That's brilliant. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today. Thank you, Elise, for being with us. It's been brilliant. Really good, open, honest. And, in, you know, we put on the tin my story and you've really shared aspects. There's so much more, but you've shared key aspects from your personal story of what Jesus has done in your life and how it affects you and it affects your family. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're watching today and you've listened to the stories by Kelly and, and by Steve and by Elise and you've thought, well, what, what about me? Um, can God change my life? And the answer is, yes, he can. But I love what Elise was sharing. It's all about free will. You see, God will never force himself into your world. But he waits patiently. And there's a verse in the Bible that says he stands at the door and he knocks. And when you open the door to him, he comes on in and he makes home with you. He, he doesn't want to be something that you worship on Sundays. Rather, he wants to take away the thorns of unforgiveness hate, things that we've carried for too long. He wants to turn our worlds inside out so that a few years later, a few months later, in fact, a few minutes later, you can say, everything's changed within me. And it's because of that decision. I can remember the moment when I prayed that prayer, Jesus, not a religious prayer, Jesus, I need you. Help me, save me. There was no lightning or, or, or things written on the wall, but something changed in me, deep within me, and kept changing. He wants to change your life, but you have to say yes or no. If you're watching today and maybe you've just tuned in and you saw somebody share it, it's no mistake. Listen, God wants to start a relationship with you. If you're a Christian and you're watching this, God wants you to grow your relationship with him. This isn't a religion about God. It's a relationship with him. I'm going to pray a very, very simple prayer today. And at the end, I'm going to say amen. And the word amen just means so be it. Let it be. Bring it on, however you want to translate that word. And I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to pray it for somebody that is maybe away from God, that says, today I'm coming back. Like Elise shared, there was a childlike faith with God. There was a walk with God that was okay, but it was based on fear. Maybe you're watching and you say, I want to cross over from fear to love. I believe that if you pray this prayer this morning, that can happen right here, right now. But also, if you're watching and you've experienced religion, you went to church for... Easter or christening or burials or and you say there's got to be more what's happening in the world right now is shaking your thinking to ask this question there must be more the answer is there is and it all orbits around this relationship with God that Elise has spoken about that I've spoken about that you've heard others speak of today and all God's waiting for you to do is just believe in him and give him an opportunity to prove himself to you today so when I pray this prayer at the end I'm going to say amen and when I say amen you can say amen so be it let it be whatever you want to say 
But what you're doing is you're opening the, the doors of your heart and your life to the God who created you to prove to you that he's true, that he's real, and it will do all the things for you that you've heard him do for others. Join me as I pray now. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending your only beloved son to die on the cross for me, to take my place, to make payment for my sin and my wrongdoing, to make a way, to lay a pathway that I can come in to a genuine, authentic relationship with you, the God who made me and formed me to be your friend, to be your child. I lay aside every preconceived idea of you, Lord. I lay aside everything that I was taught that left you as a religious, unapproachable statue. To come with a fresh hunger to say, I want to know you. As I've heard others share today, I, I want to know you. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Let a new beginning start for me today. As I acknowledge that Jesus is your son, but also my saviour. Be my saviour today, I pray. Amen. 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 Just say that word. Amen. Right now, God's heard your prayer. And if you've prayed that prayer, please write me an email, andy at family.church. Write me an email. Let me know. We'd be overjoyed to even send you one of his books on the steps that you can take now in following Jesus. But thank you for praying that prayer with me today. Well, that's us done for today. Thank you again, Elise, for coming thank to you. join me. Did brilliant. And thank you to those that did the interviews, uh, Kelly and Steve as well. Hope you enjoyed this week and it's spoken to your heart and into your home. See you next week. God bless.